Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steel fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steel's War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Pebble, and I want to take you into the rooms, the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, as we navigate the Steelers offseason. That's right, we're back. What a big 2021 NFL draft last weekend was. And what a pleasure, will I just say, actually, it, it was to you know, be with you all, whether it was you're listening live as the picks came through and, you know, listening to whoever it was, from, you know, from behind the steel curtain, whether it was Jeff Hartman, Dave Schofield, Brian Anthony Davis, Michael Beck, Jeffrey Benedict, myself, um, I think Mark Davison jumped in there, KT Smith jumped in after the first pick, um, Rich as well. So whoever it was you were listening to, can I just say that from everything that I was involved with, and I know the other guys feel the same, it was a pleasure to be able to bring you those live reactions. To It's an honor to have the the forum to be able to come to you with our different insights and takes and, you know, just how we were feeling about the picks. And, you know, hopefully that sort of reflected some of the things that you all were feeling in, in each different way. So this week's show is going to be very much a draft reflection and hopefully we can give you a bit of an interesting take on it that you haven't necessarily heard before. So don't switch off. Um, First of all, and I did get a bit of credit this from Brian Anthony Davis um, on the hangover, and I did get a bit of credit from Dave Schofield on this at the end of end of day two as well. But we actually got to we previewed two of the Steelers nine picks in Steelers War Room, and um, in Pat Frymuth, who I did, I think it was week one or week two, and then right before the draft, and I actually said it in one of the um, in the one of the podcast wrap ups that. 
you know, during the draft picks that I'd said Kendrick Green a couple of weeks back, well, it had been such a big week for me, um, both in following the draft and on the BTSC side of things, but also in my, you know, personal life and my, my work outside of BTSC. I've been traveling into state because we're in a different sort of place in COVID, obviously in Australia down here, down under, um, you know, that I was able to do that. So I had a lot going on. So to me, it had been two days, but it had felt like a couple of weeks ago and I before, and I'd actually planned on doing Kendrick Green two weeks before and run out of time on one of my shows. As you guys know, I, uh, I look to do these shows for about 30 to 35 minutes max. And often, often they go over to 38 minutes because it's just so much to cover. But going back to it, so we were able to preview two of them. I deliberately left Najee Harris out of these war rooms. I figured that, that some of these more consensus top 25 picks were not necessarily guys I wanted to review because you were hearing so much about them. So, you know, I can't claim that we previewed him, but I certainly, he was a bit front of mind. He wasn't really, if you'd followed it up until the draft as well, you know, I wasn't you know, hugely keen on us picking there. I'm very happy with the pick. I've watched the, the documentaries that he's done on the road to the pros really keen on that. Um, but I guess from that perspective, it's just, you know, you guys were getting all that sort of information. The other one I wanted to say was I was well aware of Buddy Johnson. Um, I was surprised how early the Steelers took him. He made a lot of my mocks for the sixth and seventh round. So, but more around that pick 245 was him one I often made there, um, particularly if McGrone had gone earlier. Um, and the other guy that I'd sort of had a little look at was more, but I, I'm, I couldn't possibly claim um, that, I, that I'd really looked too hard at Dan Moore as well. So one of the things I did really want to cover this week and each the next couple of weeks I'll do, we will spend a bit of time focusing on one of the draft picks, but I want to do this overall wrap up. One of the things that I mentioned for those of you that might've missed it, but even for those of you that heard it in some of the wrap up shows um, after the, the different picks and the, and the, the feedback shows was, around Daniel Jeremiah's top 150 prospects. Now, obviously, Daniel Jeremiah is an individual in his own right, has his different thoughts and what have you, but DJ is pretty in tune with what's going on. DJ and Bucky is part of Move the Sticks. For those of you that are diehards that have got the time to listen to everything on BTSC and really keen on the draft, you know, you probably, unless you're super, super keen, a um, bit of a draft nerd like myself, you might want to look at these guys, you know, back into the of the year, but certainly come Feb, that's when you want to tune into them. You have a bit of content to look back on if you start getting into it, but it's really around that March period that things start really rolling with them. And they do don't just cover draft. They cover things here on the NFL as well, but we're all with this eye of the draft. So well, first we'll cover DJ. He's top 150 prospects. As I said, the Steelers drafted his 20th best, best prospect at 24 in Najee Harris. At 55, we drafted the 46th best prospect in Pat Freemuth. We drafted the 105th best prospect of his 150 in Kendrick Green at 87, but we needed to fill it. We needed to fill a need by then as well. And he was one of the top center guys on the list. And also Daniel Jeremiah had sort of flagged that he was moving over to to from guard to center. He only played a little bit of center. And when he re, just before he released this top 150, I'd actually watched the the video version of their of their Move the Sticks podcast. And he talked about Kendrick Green a bit more there as well. Um, and then it showed some tape. And that's when he started to get on my radar. So this would have been about three weeks or so before the draft. And then and to the point I was starting to watch highlights and then planning my war room, it was actually Sunday my time. I was catching up on, I think, on a Friday video or something like that. So it was really interesting from that perspective. And then we drafted 
the 139th best prospect at the time at 128. Then at 216, and so that was obviously um, Dan Moore there. And then we drafted the 121st best prospect of his of his top 150 at 216. So the Steelers, in the space of six picks, let's call it three. So yeah, the six six picks, including the if you include the fifth that they traded up for. Sorry, seventh pick, seven picks. The Steelers got four of his top 150 players. Four out of seven, and let's make it. Let's also be clear: is that we got Chris, you know, Quincy Roche or Quincy Roche, I should say. The cue from the U is Dave Schofield's now calling him. We got Quincy Roche at two hundred and sixteen, almost a hundred picks later than where he was from a prospect perspective. Most people had a between the end, end of the third, early fourth round grabbed him. We got him in the sixth, and you know that's terrific value there. On the Bucky Brooks side of things. He had his top five players picked in the draft. Najee Harris was one of those. And in fact, Bucky um, in one of their their post-draft shows was basically saying this is one of his top five because the Steelers really need a back that can work with the O-linemen that they've got. And Bucky and DJ actually even talked a little bit about the Steelers O-line very quickly because they had a lot to cover. But I thought it was really interesting because we sit there sometimes and look at the mainstream media and go, oh, do they really know what's going on with the Steelers? And that's why there's such value in BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop, your non-stop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Got to drop it in there. That's who we're affiliated with, of course, or we're an offshoot of. But they were talking about it, and I really enjoyed that. And that's where, like, if, if you're sitting there and going, oh, the mainstream NFL media, you know, don't really respect the Steelers, what have you, these guys know it. These guys do respect the Steelers. They do respect Kevin Colbert. So I think it's really important that we just take stock and give a bit of credit where credit's due. Um, so let's, let's look at that. So in terms of the draft, these were the players that were able to draft. Now, these remained unsigned if you go on to Steelers.com. Um, so Pat Freemath, as we obviously know, second-round pick. Kendrick Green, third-round pick. Najee Harris, first-round pick. And we already know his number. It's going to be 22. Presley Harvin, the third, someone that I'd kind of heard on a little bit because uh, Jeffrey Benedict had kept saying to me, oh, have you Aussie seen the, seen the punter that could be a rugby player um, out of Georgia Tech there? Buddy Johnson, Isaiah Loudermill, Dan Moore Jr., Trey Norwood, and Quincy Roche. I kind of like Trey Norwood. I'm interested about uh, Mike Tomlin's comments on him as a sort of Swiss Army knife in safety. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what he does from a safety perspective, whether he puts on a bit more muscle. Um, obviously, he's going to be a different player to what um, Terrell Edmonds is, but we know this week that Terrell Edmonds' fifth-year option wasn't picked up. I personally do not think this is the end of Terrell Edmonds at the Pittsburgh Steelers after 2021. I think we're going to look at what we can do for an extension. And that's going to be friendly to him and friendly to the team. And if he doesn't like it, he can move on. And that's all good. We wish him well. Just like we wished, unfortunately, Alejandro Villanueva well as he goes and plays for the Ravens. Good luck over there, buddy. The other guys that we were really lucky to pick up, and there are a couple of names here that are looking really favorable, uh, and now these are considered signed players because they're the UDFAs, the undrafted free agents that we've now signed, is Shakur Brown, a guy that a uh, cornerback, 5'10", out of Michigan State. He had a third, fourth round grade on him for some people or up to a fifth round grade for others. Really like that. I think he's more of a slot guy off the top of my head. You've got Kalen Bundage, linebacker out of Oklahoma State, six foot two, 221 pounds. I'm, seeing, I'm interested to see what they can do with him. Rico Bussey, wide receiver out of Hawaii. Um, he's weighed 190 pounds, six foot. 
I'm interested in him. He's a guy that could have gone up into the fifth or the sixth. I think we're still be able to do something with him. I like it. Um, let's remember Ray Ray's on a one-year deal. Washington's got one year left. Johnson's up the year after that. Juju's got a one-year deal. Man, if we can get Bussy to make the squad, how cool would it be to be able to have a guy called Bussy on there? Um, hopefully it's not Boosie or something and I've got it wrong, but it will be so cool to have Bussy um, and be able to call on that. Mark Gilbert. Now he's, I think, the nephew of Stephen Gilbert and uh, Daryl Revis as well. So he's a bit of a steal there. A bit light, um, 175 pounds and six foot, but he's someone that they can put a bit of muscle on. I think he had some injuries, but he's coming out of Duke. Um, Isaiah McCoy, he's coming in. Now I think he's he's a rookie as well. Wide receiver, six foot two, 200 pounds. So good height weight there, Kent State. Jarvis Miller, linebacker, he's coming out of Massachusetts, um, six foot two, two twenty five pounds. Matthew Sexton, we know we signed him, and he's a bit of a speedster um, out of Eastern Michigan. Then you got Donovan Steiner, safety, six foot two, two ten pounds, um, rookie out of Florida. Lamont Wade, safety, five foot nine, one hundred ninety pounds. Um, he's out of Penn State now. I think he's also someone that can play um, in the slot, so that's cool. Um, and then you got Jamal uh, Watson as well there. Um, and he's a linebacker, six foot two, two forty one pounds out of Kentucky. He's a guy I could see making this practice squad and being a being a fill in too. Is he a late flyer? Is he someone that's going to challenge a, uh, you know, really challenge a, um, Marcus Allen? <laughs> Had a bit of a stumble there, but Marcus Allen, you know, that's what it could be. Now, next, I wanted to sort of cover off another piece of the draft. Sorry, we're going to flick really, really thickening through here, and that was around. Um, Mark Dulgarian, who did reviews during the NFL draft of different picks by the different rounds. And I thought it was quite interesting when I looked at some of his views on the Steelers. Because, you know, it's just sort of interesting to see what some of his feedback is that they happen. Now, let's start with pick 156, you know, Isaiah with double H, um, Loudermilk, defensive end Pittsburgh Steelers. Loudermilk offers outstanding size and length that fits the mold of what the Steelers look for in their odd front. He doesn't stand out in any one area of the field, but the Steelers like the scheme familiarity he offers, and he should win coaches over with his effort and energy. Interesting. Now, that should give you a little bit of confidence. I know for a fact that if they're not out already by the time you listen to this, there's some interesting articles coming um, from guys like um, KT Smith, Jeffrey Bendick, Shannon White as well on the website. Have a look at them. There'll be a bit of film, of of course, there too um, from one of those three guys, if not a couple of those guys. It'll be pretty interesting. But look, the punt, like literally some of the more these pundits or experts or media personalities are saying this was, a, a you know, a befitting pick of the Steelers. They traded a fourth-round compensatory pick next year. Obviously, they're seeing something. Whether we're going to see that on tape and whether we see that yet, who knows? But at the end of the day, remember, guys, we've got a guy like Zach Gentry on the roster right now. Is this guy going to be that much worse? Is this much guy going to be worth not taking a fire on? He's six foot seven. If he can get it right, who knows? Quincy Roche. I thought I'd bring up his one because we're going to talk a little bit about Quincy Roche in in, uh, in part two. But they said Steelers have a pennant for finding productive defenders late on day three, and Roche is no exception. What he lacks in athletic traits, he makes up for on-field results. And then he talks through the tackles for loss and career sacks, which we'll talk through in part two. Um, and they say he has a great shot at not only making the team but earning a rotational job in 2021. Then around Trey Norwood. Uh, Mike Tomlin viewed Norwood's experience at corner and safety. He flashed impressive ball skills with inconsistencies in coverage and as a tackler could cause coaches to second guess in camp. That's really interesting. 
Can we coach Trey Norwood out of his coverage issues? And can we teach him how to tackle? Because if he's going to play safety, he has to be able to tackle. He can't rely on just some of those coverage, um, you know, skills and interception skills. Then Presley Harvin. So I just picked, cherry picked a couple here. Uh, punter, Pittsburgh Steelers now. 2020 Ray Guy Waterman is the leading candidate to take over Steelers punting duties after the team ranked in the lower half of the NFL in punt average last season. Well, I'm going to take a punt as well to say down under, or it's a big bet or gamble that Jordan Berry will be punted out of the Steelers locker room this season by Presley Harvin third. So where to from there? Well, looking ahead to 2022, and no, you're not going to get a 2022 mock draft. I'm not going to sit there and start picking a bunch of picks that, you know, might be there. Um, sorry, picks draft prospects that might be there next year that we should be looking at already. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hold back. I am interested in the Texas Tech quarterback, but no, we're not going to do that in this show. What I wanted to quickly share is that over the cap right now, I'm currently projecting the Steelers to get a 2022, 2022 third round and fifth round picks. Now, that is based, I believe, on Bud Dupree. And I think the other one is around uh, Alejandro, no, not Alejandro Villanueva, Mike Hilton. I'm pretty sure it's Mike Hilton for the other one. So interesting there because the Steelers might have traded that fourth away, but right now we're scheduled to have, you know, a a third next year, which is awesome now. The compensatory, you know, um, period where if you sign those free agents or you you lose those free agents is now is now come up now that's after the draft. And I expect you'll see a flurry of different deals um, that sort of come through. But look, that wraps up part one of Steelers War Room for this week. We're flying thick and fast. Join us for part two. We're going to delve a little bit deeper into Quincy Roche. I know we did him, a, you know, 10 or so War Rooms ago. Um, we're not going to look at his draft profiles. We're going to look at some of his stats. We're going to have a ponder about what this might mean for the Pittsburgh Steelers going forward. Excited to do that. And we're going to have a, look, a little bit of a look at the free agent market as well because there's some interesting guys who are still a little bit concerned about where the Steelers are sitting back on Steelers War Room. All right. So the Pittsburgh Steelers have nine of their picks now after the NFL draft. We also, you know, are sitting there with a bunch of undrafted free agents too. It's an exciting time to be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. You're soaking it all up. You're reflecting on the draft. I will just say one thing. I don't know if anyone missed this in the show this week. I was huge on them drafting. When Pat Freemuth was sitting there with five or six picks to go. I was eagerly and earnestly messaging the BTSC guys going, Friar Muth, Friar Muth. And everyone was back, no, Creed Humphrey or this pick or that pick. I actually had a bet on. Probably should have told you all about it. $15, paying $15. 
Pat Freemuth, pick 55. Matt won that money. The other one I also won wasn't related to the Steelers, and that was Javon Holland to be the first safety off the board in round two. That's right. The first safety off the board ahead of Trayvon Morig, ahead of um, Richie Grant out of UCF, I think it was. Um, about to say UFC then. <laughs> um, I had both those guys paying 650. I actually had the same bet on Richie as well because I thought that they either of them could get it. Um, and that looked quite nice there. I had Kyle Trask over Kevin Kellen Mond as well there. So I think I had that one paying about $26. Um, I put 26 on it, about 250 at that. And then the other one that I had as well that was, that was worth of note was that I had the first wide receiver, the first uh, running back, the first... Uh, linebacker and then the first um, quarterback um, off the board. Um, but the quarterback had to be Kellen Mond over Kyle Trask. So I lost that one out, unfortunately. Um, so that was one that I, that I did lose there. Um, and then I'm just trying to think what one of my other ones were, but they were sort of the big ones. So I basically ended up about, I think I put a roughly about 150 or so Aussie on there and I came out about 320. Um, there, so made about 170. So, look, that's going to get me a couple of rookie player custom shirts. I wear a lot of the t-shirts down under because it's a bit hotter with the with the, even in the winter. Um, so, look, maybe there's a Pat Frymuth, the Kendrick Green there, um, who hopefully will wear a 53, and we can get that back on the roster. And then there's probably a Quincy Roche. But let's get into Quincy Roche, the Q from the U. We started out at Temple. <laughs> His first three seasons in college. What an anticlimax there for us. So Quincy Roche, 30 and a half sacks. That's right. Seven in 2017 at Temple, six in 2018, 13 in 2019, and four and a half in 2020 for Miami, which I think it was only in about 10 games. He had 11 and a half tackles for a loss in 17, nine tackles for a loss in, in 18. In 2019, he had 19 tackles for a loss. And then he had 14 and a half tackles for a loss in at Miami in 2020. That is 54 tackles for a loss. He had seven pass defenses as well. He had one in 2018, five in 2019, and one in, in, um, in 2020. And then he had three false fumbles in 2017, two false fumbles in 2018, um, one false fumble in 2019 and two false fumbles in 2020. So you're seeing some decent production there. Tackles for a loss is the big one for me. Um, that shows what he can do in that run game as well. And that shows that pass rush too, because um, they're outside of sacks or if there's, you know, running quarterbacks. So could that be really helpful when we're playing someone like a, a Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens? Um, I'm liking the fumbles too. You know, if you're not going to get a sack, and it's interesting, I think if you look at um, right now some of the defensive player of the year awards and you look at how TJ's gone against Aaron Donald, it's quite interesting when you look at the false fumble rate. And I think that cost him this year. I think if he'd had one or two more false fumbles, and obviously if he'd played that um, that 16th game as well in terms of the regular season, he probably could have got that over Aaron Donald. I think he needed one and a half more sacks and maybe two more false fumbles. It also is the reason why he was robbed in 2019 against Stefan Gilmore. But I like the seven past def- the past defenses. You know, I know in college, you know, and I know I said this on the show um, after day after the day three pick, I think it was. Um, you know, when we looked at Quincy Roche on one of the wrap up podcasts as well. That you know, when it comes to the 
pass coverage opportunities for Quincy Roche is that basically, you know, he didn't necessarily have what Alex Highsmith had. Um, I think Alex Highsmith is a little bit better in that regard. I think it's an area that Quincy Roche has got to learn. But prior to the draft, I was listening to some of the last, it was in the last few days, like the fourth or fifth day ahead of the draft. Um, might have even been closer to that. I was listening to one of the podcasts from Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, and they were talking about some of the podcasts, prospects, sorry. Um, and same thing with the draft dudes of the draft network. And both of those guys were particularly around Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks were sort of saying, you can teach some of these edge rushes in the draft, whether they're going to be outside linebackers or defensive ends. And Quincy Roche is one that projected to be an outside linebacker in a 3-4. So he's not one of these guys that's going to be a 4-3 um, DE or he's going to be an outside linebacker in 3-4. He was projected as being best fit being a 3-4 um, outside linebacker. So that's perfect for what we run at the Pittsburgh Steelers. But they were talking about how some of these coverage skills can be taught you know, because if you're not put in those different positions, like I think they talked about Quiddy Pay as one of those examples. But if you're not put in those positions in college, you're not necessarily going to learn that skill. So judging that is very difficult when you are put into some of those schemes. Now, obviously, that's an area we've got to develop potentially for Quincy Roche. But this is a young guy. He's a guy that's a six-round pick that might have had a third or fourth grade, maybe an end of day two, depending on what you think of his high production. And I think I was listening to the Hangover um, back the Hangover podcast side because I don't get to listen to all the shows live on YouTube, particularly when I'm working. I'm uh, on annual leave at the moment, but or PTO, as you call, I think you call it America. But, um, you know, I think he had 104 pressures of the quarterback, according to PFF. In, throughout his collegiate career, which was the, or the last two years, which was the most out of anyone else in, in college at the time. I mean, that's that's terrific from a two-year production perspective. Um, but getting back to it, they were sort of saying that, you know, you can learn some of these coverage skills. So the Steelers, just let the young guy do what he needs to do. Let him just rush the quarterback. If it's third down, if, you know, if it's third and long, you know, or any of the really long downs and you're, and you're getting, you're seeing some real effectiveness there, put him on the field. The other thing about Quincy Roche is that there's a lot of players that get a lot of sacks in college. I think look at Gregory Rousseau, who um, was taken out of taken to the Buffalo Bills, who fell through the draft process through average testing and um, compared to where they thought he was going to be, and also um, through lack of lack of playing in 2020. He was out of Miami. He was on the other side from Quincy Roche. Um, you know, and obviously that they, they Quincy Roche was able to sort of fill um, that need there once he came over from Temple. But you look at it from that perspective and Gregory Rousseau is someone that's playing a bit of a different position. He's going to be more, they'll probably beef him up to be a bit more defensive, you know, end D defensive tackle um, in that sort of more to it sort of style role um, over at uh, Buffalo Bills, I believe. But he was someone that doesn't really have a pass rush move. He's someone that just through speed was able to get, I think it was 15 and a half sacks in 2019. Quincy Roche is athletic and he's more athletic than people give him credit for, but he's not known for being an athlete. And Arthur Motes talked about this a bit in one of his podcasts recently, but I'd already read this about Quincy Roche, you know, coming out of the draft was that he's gone and developed pass rush moves. He's not someone that's had it hand to him on a platter. He's not going to rely on that speed. He's had to go and develop moves to get these sacks. Therefore, he's someone that's a lot more NFL ready than what we realize. Now, we know what the draft is like. People feed into the hype. People feed into prospects. People feed into pro days, into numbers. But these numbers, his numbers at the collegiate level are what counts. His production is what counts. His pass rush moves are what counts. 
And another really interesting point that I, I thought about on this D, in this wrap-up show, and even these guys don't have access to the data, DJ and Bucky were talking about how important the GPS data thing um, from some of those companies is. That, yes, you've got your pro days and you can jump, you know, you can run your really quick 40-yard dashes, you can do your big vertical jumps and your cone and your shuttle drill, drills and, you know, broad jumps, all the rest of it, your bench press. But the GPS data, what they do on the field is really important. And it just makes me think with picks like Buddy Johnson in the fourth, when a lot of people had him, even myself in the sixth, Loudermilk, Dan Moore. Are these guys that are showing up on the GPS side, are these guys that are showing us something that show not just show up on film, but show us something in between the data that's not necessarily available to everyone else. And I just wonder, I just wonder, but look, they're going to cap that off for the draft for this week. Next week, I'm definitely going to delve into Kendrick Green. I can't wait to do that. I want a bit more of our articles from behindthesteelcurtain.com and some of that film to go there. I want to look at a bit more myself. I've got some sitting there that I looked at pre-draft before I brought you know, that picture live. He was on my radar, and that's why I was so happy to get Frymuth because I knew he would be available in the third or the fourth. He um, was about the 68th to 85th pick on a lot of people's um, different other pundits, mock drafts and what have you. I kept picking him in the, at 128. Um, so to get him at 87, I was really happy because I wanted someone at like Brevin Jordan 87 if we'd gone center at 55. Um, so really happy to get Frymuth and then to be able to get Kendrick Green. So we're going to have a look at him next week. I'm really excited for that. We might look at one of the other guys too, considering we've got some undrafted free agents. But bringing up free agents, I wanted to just, for those of you out there listening, going, I don't really love this rookie class, Matt. Uh, you know, you would clearly love them. And I do. I think it's some of the best drafts in a long time. And I'm happy to say that now. And hopefully they prove me right. But I absolutely love it. Really excited for it. Um, already drafted them and all in Madden, ready to go. Have an interesting season there. It's more to do with Big Ben um, <laughs> and me up in the level of, you know, to the final level of difficulty with a bunch of rookies um, to try to develop them. But let's look into some of the free agents still available. So let's look at the cornerback and the edge rush, rush, rush position. Now, the players I'm going to list out now are ranked by salary um, for 20, their, their current average um pay per year base. So that's based on the, the deal that they are signed. Now, because it's ranked like this, it assumes that the better players are up the front, but I'm going to go with them first. And I'm just, I will say that they're Casey, guys like Casey Haywood may have signed by the time you're listening to this as well. Let's start off. Edge Rush, Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, Edge, the Colts. He may retire though, I think. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan, Washington. I know um, Michael Beck's pretty keen on whether we can bring him in. Casey Haywood, I think he may have signed with the Raiders at the time you're listening to this. Olivier Vernon. Richard Sherman, Stephen Nelson, who we cut, Trent Murphy, I think he's going back to the Bills, uh, DJ Hayden, Josh Norman, Everson Griffin at Edge, Buster Scrine, cornerback, he's pretty, he's getting older now, um, Bruce Irvin, Jason McCourty, Brian Poole, he's a big one for the both Brian Anthony Davis, bad, and I'm both pretty keen on, Brashard Breland, I quite like Brashard Breland, I think he's value if the Steelers get him, pick him up, Alex Okafor, the Chiefs, Adrian Claiborne, um, Gary and Conley, I think I butchered that first name. Ronald Blair, John Simon out of the Patriots. I think he could be an interesting pickup for the Steelers. He could be quite cheap. We could probably get him on a vet man um, or sign to a cheap two-year deal. I'm interested in that one. LaShawn um, Sims, Ezekiel Ansar, Nickel Roby Coleman, Johnson Batamosi, 
Bloody Ray Wilson, Nico Thorpe, Draco Patrick, Sherrick McManus, Trayman Mills, um, Julian Stafford, Stanford, Jabal Sheard. They're the guys across edge and cornerback that are still available on the defensive side of the football. So if you're not happy with who we've got so far in the draft, you could be happy with those guys, maybe. From a linebacker perspective as well. So you'll say you don't like Buddy Johnson. You don't think Vince William bringing him back was a good idea. These are some of the guys available. Quan Alexander, KJ Wright, Devon Joe Campbell, Sean Lee, Avery Williamson, Tahi Whitehead, BJ Goodison, Ruben Foster, Dylan Cole, Craig Robertson, Neville Hewitt, Patrick on Russell, Josh Bynes, and that probably wraps up those guys that you'd really want to probably bring in. The left tackle position. Now, this is interesting because we now know Andrew Villanueva, no longer available. But Russell O'Kung is still sitting there. Eric Fisher sitting still sitting there. Jason Peters too, but I think he's retiring. Um, they're probably the left tackles that we've got on the board right now. Right tackles, you know, Mitchell Schwartz is sitting there, a top guy. Ricky Wagner out of the Packers, he could be a bit of value. I don't mind him. You're not going to go after Isaiah Wilson. You're probably not going after DeMar Dotson. He's probably retiring. That's probably the scale of what you're looking at um, from that position there. The center position, you know, again, Austin Reader is probably the best player that I think if you're going to bring anyone in that's going to compete with BJ Finney um, and Kendrick Green, that's where you might go. You might look at Russell Bodan. I mean, he played with the Lions last year, but I pretty much doubt it. Um, at the safety position, there's really not a lot there. You might bring Malik Hooker in in the hope that he can develop. Um, but he's a bit more of that free safety. When I look across that board, there's just not those players. Um, the running back position, well, now we've got Najee Harris. I think the bit of the pressure's off there. Guys like Todd Gurley, Duke Johnson is still available. T.Y. Yeldon is still available. Dion Lewis, Devonta Freeman, Adrian Peterson, Alfred Morris. He, had a, he didn't have too bad a year coming back to the Giants last year. Um, Lavion Bell, Corey Clement. Like these are some of the guys are going to be signed pretty soon. Deonta um, Foreman, Ido Smith. You know, There's some young guys there that could develop, but you probably don't really need to touch them too much. At the quarterback position, if you're sitting there going, who's still left at the quarterback position? Well, a lot of guys have started to retire, you know, so there's not a lot there. I think Robert Griffin III might be available. It doesn't really fit what the Steelers need to do. I think we're going to be sticking with Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins. But really, the only other position I can really think that they could look at was be from a tight end perspective. Michael Pruitt's still sitting there. Um, I'm hoping that a guy like Bushman out of BYU, um, who I'm pretty sure is a UDFA, um, Steelers could get him. I'd have to ch- I have to go back and check that. Sorry, apologies for there. Um, Jesse James is another one that obviously we, we might look at too. Um, but I think now you've got Pat Freemuth. Why would Jesse James come back? Come back. He wants, you know, a... He wants a you know decent starting role, but behind Eric Ebron and Pat Frymuth, he's just not going to get that. Um, and then from a left guard position, I just thought I'd look at that too. Osmele is still there. Wisniewski, we've already had him. That didn't work out. <laughs> from a right guard perspective, Trey Turner. He's someone you might want to bring in, but we're probably not going to have the money there. Um, Kelamete, you know, apparently still still there as well. Really, apart from that, I don't see anyone you want to bring in. So 
I guess it's really important to talk about that because there's always the second wave of free agency that happens after the draft. I think we're looking to get younger. Um, after the draft, I think the average Steelers age was going to be 24.9. I saw that on Twitter somewhere, so you can't quote me on that one. But if that's the case, that's excellent. Um, and then from that perspective, we're getting close, guys. We're getting really close, guys and gals, in terms of what the Steelers roster is going to start to shape up like. They've cut two guys. They're back down to 90. They're going to have to make more cuts on the way through the soft season. But as they do, we'll be there to take you every way, every step of the way through that process. Look, thank you for sticking with War Room throughout this offseason so far. We're not stopping. Just because the draft has stopped doesn't mean we're stopping. Join me each week. I come to you on a Wednesday. If you listen to the first time, thanks so much for joining. If you're part of the War Room, you know, crew, I know Jeff has his ride or die, you know, crew. I've got my Warriors that I know listen to this week in, week out. If you're one of my Warriors, awesome stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Keep listening. Tell your friends about it. Now, please let us ask one thing. If you want more Pittsburgh Steeler content, check out everything on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Check out the live YouTube shows. Even if it's not my Steelers Touching Under with Mark Davison each week, or I should say our Steelers Touching Under together, the TDU. Now we've got Q from the U. Um, join us for that one. You know, there's... If you are a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers content, which is you are if you're listening to this, there's content out there across our network for you all. Just shoot us a request if you want one. I've got AussieSteeler91 at gmail.com. If you've got a question or there's something you want me to delve into in regards to our draft class or a free agent signing or what have you, I'd love to cover it. Thank you. Give us a like on your preferred platform of choice of podcast too. It does help our rankings. It does help us and it helps us deliver content, helps us do funds for things like prizes and competitions and all that sort of stuff too. But with that, that's Steelers War Room. I'm Matt Peveril. Go Steelers. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... 
To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.